Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I don't want to go back and check, but was Evan wearing the exact same thing last episode? No. That's a different Masters zip-up? It's the only Masters zip-up I have. And you weren't wearing that last episode? That's correct. If you're lying to me, you're going to be exposed immediately on YouTube. I'm not lying. I wore a blue Nike zip-up. Okay, right. A different golf outfit. Did you come from golf? No, I'd be a lot happier. Well, maybe I'd be a lot sadder. (laughs) <laughs> no, the way i've been playing lately i'd be a lot sadder or grumpier more questions for you evan have you been golfing as you've been unpacking i golfed yesterday for men's league and does has cat tried to kill you every time you've come home actually i've golfed twice yes he i've had <laughs> to work excessive hours to making up for it but uh it's been worth it huh not for the house for golfing i was gonna open this episode with a nathan mckinnon joke but i just i don't know Seeing Evan in person is just a whole different ball game. <laughs> Still not. A- <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Can you imagine Evan in your face screaming that you're not eating, eating enough like chickpea pasta and like slapping you because you didn't put a puck right on his tape? I, I think the funnier reality there would be watching Nathan McKinnon scream at Evan and just the level of apathy on his face as this is going down would be amusing. I would not care for his tone. i was reading through that list of stuff and i was like private chef all right yeah i always thought that's the kind of athlete i'd be if i was you know good um could afford it you know personal trainer did he have like a a sports therapist or something or am i just yeah he had i think he had a live-in athletic therapist or something like that regardless all that stuff i'm like yeah spend money on your body that's investing yourself lebron does that right like hell yeah you know chickpea pasta cut out all junk food all right, yeah, I'm all for, like, treating yourself a little bit from time to time. But, hey, like, he's at the top of his game. He wants to win by all means. Screaming at his teammates when they eat junk food. A little bit much for me. Getting rid of all fatty foods and stuff from the dressing room. Okay. Basically, put it like this. If you were still working in an office and your coworker comes up to you at the cafeteria and says... Why are you eating this poutine and we need to get rid of all this junk and only have salads and power foods? You'd probably want to slap them right in the face. Okay. In fairness, me eating a poutine isn't going to affect mine and my coworkers' collective work. Well, it's going to put, you know, maybe it, you know, doesn't raise your energy for the afternoon and you work on a project together and then they're all pissed off because you're, they're having a nap and they're, yeah. they're doing their downward dog or whatever they are on their 15 minute break yeah it was it it all devolved into a little bit of uh psychotic behavior oh yeah yeah it was it was very last dance-ish except without all the winning honestly i think the dunking is all in good fun just because whenever mckinnon wins assuming that it's going to happen one day People will look back on that and say, see, that's a winner's mentality. And I won't argue, but I thought it was just like the list got so progressively crazy. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> He's got, now he has to win. He, Otherwise, it's just like you're just an asshole. You absolutely have to win at that point. Yeah. Do you think Crosby was ever that way? Oh, a thousand percent. Like, who do you think McKinnon probably got it from? They, say, they trained like, together religiously. Yeah, they're the like best buds. Like, do you know the level of respect I now have? 
for Nikita Kucherov watching him shirtless with his beer gut and like just crushing Bud Lights after just like, oh yeah, this is what peak performance looks like. <laughs> so that combined with the McKinnon article makes it, I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but I got, I certainly got more entertainment out of it because of that. You forgot about three time, three in a row Stanley Cup champion, Pat Maroon. Oh yeah. man. He's a physical specimen. <laughs> Was it Fat Pat? That's what they called him. Yeah. It's part of the Chub Club. Oh, yeah. What was his line that got caught on mic'd up? He's like, I may be chubby, but I'm effective. And there was like, that was like on a t shirt the next day. <laughs> Hockey players are a different breed, not usually for the best, but sometimes it pans out. Oh, yeah. Well, on that note, welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. Looking more and more like Pat Maroon in the worst ways every day. I'm Ryan Hanna. Uh, light years away from Nathan McKinnon. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Uh, Evan, someone screen capped. Someone took a uh, picture of them watching the show on YouTube and tweeted at us. And then someone took a screenshot of that picture or like cropped it. And it was just you with the most like dejected. Uh, why am I here? Face? Yeah. Yeah. What's why can't be, the Ben Affleck smoking a cigarette, looking pissed <laughs> off with the dad bod, like first day back in the studio and you're just like full on having yeah. like, missed a beat. Yeah. You described it perfectly. We missed you too, buddy. I no, I did not. <laughs> I took a screenshot of it, not for any Evan reasons, but I feel like that's going to get a lot of use during Red Wings games this year. Yeah, most likely. Okay. Um, all right. On this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we are going to be chatting with you uh, about the Red Wings arbitration situation, which has, I don't want to say evolved. We just know the dates of them. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Uh, the Red Wings made a depth signing, mostly AHL. We'll be talking a little bit about what's going to happen at the bottom of the Red Wings lineup. Um, The Evander Kane saga, or sorry, the Jack Eichel saga continues to unfold. The Evander Kane story emerges in the weirdest of ways. Kind of an all-around terrible situation. And then just some other smaller notes before overtime. I was going to say we'll talk about Nathan McKinnon, but I think we've done a requisite dunking. I should still say Nathan McKinnon is one of my favorite NHLers to watch. He's one of the best players in the world. Oh, I would probably do everything he did minus the screaming at teammates. Like a, a, like a living chef is literally my dream. Yeah. Like, you know what? Yelling at teammates when they're pissing off in practice and not using the time. I, I'm, you know, all for that. When it comes to hockey, I think hockey and the workplace are two different things. And professional sports, I think tough love is sometimes the answer, depending on the guy. Um, but if it's like your default and there's no room for anything else, then yeah, you're going to have guys who are pissed off. Someone pointed out uh, there's like a... A uh, very casual interview with Kale McCarr, and they're like, "What's your guilty secret?" And he was like, "I had a Slurpee on the way home from practice the other day." And people were like, "That's a weird answer." And now they're like, "Oh, we get it." <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, oh, you absolute psychopath." <laughs> like, McKinnon beat the shit out of him next practice. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, back in the 1930s, people ran into war. Kale McKinnon's having Kale McKinnon. Kale McCarr's having a Slurpee. Same probably fear levels. <laughs> oh, um, podcast merch. You know something that we need to do. Make a little mini action figure of the uh, mini version of Evan that's the bouncer in his brain. Apparently, that was a hit. People really loved that. <laughs> Do you even okay. remember what we were talking about? No. <laughs> yeah. L- listen, I've, I've forgotten the day of the week every day. Every day this week. I I keep thinking it's Tuesday. Tomorrow's Friday. I got a golf tournament on the weekend. I'm going to shoot a million. You cannot measure time with your golf tournaments because they're just perpetually happening. That's like the only thing that I have to, to measure time now because I just feel like every day blends into one until I've got my next round of golf. That's I, all I've 
I have. I legitimately thought I was coming over here for the Sunday episode. <laughs> God. I I really wish I was joking on that one. All right. Uh, Verana and Ernie. So two arbitration dates are set. The first of which is uh, Jacob Verana, which is on Wednesday, uh, August 11th, which is six days away from us recording today. The decision has to be doled out within 48 hours of arbitration. I said something last episode that deserves correction, actually. Um, I mentioned that the contract can be signed all the way up until the arbitrator's decision. That's actually incorrect. That was changed a little while ago. So the moment arbit- the arbitration hearing starts, the contract can no longer be signed. It is fully within the arbitrator's hand. So apologies. Uh, I kind of forgot that change even happened. Speaking of just not knowing what anything is. So the the 11th is Verona's and I believe Ernie's is the 21st. That is less than a week for Verona. That's a much tighter timeline than I thought the Red Wings would have. Yeah, it's, you know, you'd rather get it over with sooner. Um, it does suck for Stevie because, yeah, now he's got less time to work with. And I guess Verona and his agent as well. But, you know, sometimes these things... The longer they linger, the more it gets talked about, the worse it is, the more you start going down rabbit holes, you probably shouldn't mentally and philosophically. So, no, it's it's probably overall better that it's sooner, especially since, you know, Verona instead of Ernie, because Verona is probably the higher profile case, which could go more directions because he's just a better player. Mm-hmm. I think... If the if arbitration is being filed, I don't know. Like I, I know Eisenman has wanted to go short term, or that's what at least he said. And you, Brad, have mentioned that you believe him on that, which is a fool's errand. But kudos to you for having that faith. I said I hope I'm wrong on a couple of them. <laughs> um, is that too tight of a timeline? Six days, really, before you can start, before the, you lose the window? No, because both sides have by this point, firmly laid out where they are. And now it's finding the middle ground. It's not like Stevie's going to walk up to his agent tomorrow and go, all right, I'm thinking three years at five mil. And then his agent's like, oh, we're thinking eight by six. Yeah. Like, it's like they're, they know what ballpark they're each in. And depending how far apart they are, it's just going to depend on who's going to bend more. And obviously Stevie's notoriously stingy. I was honestly surprised when he ended up in arbitration with Bertuzzi last year, considering they were not that far off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and I'm not going to lie. I, if if one or both of these end up in arbitration, that's going to be a bit of a red flag for me because not that Stevie is Yarmo and not that Detroit is Columbus, but we've all heard the reports of how hard a line Yarmo Kekalainen draws in the sand. And it's probably not a coincidence that there's just been a mass exodus in Columbus of all their star players. And if Stevie takes too hard of a line with too many guys, I wouldn't rule out the same thing happening here, especially before the success. You can do that in Tampa because your ultimate argument is, yeah, there's a cup at the end of this negotiation, like we saw with Hedman, like we saw with Stamkos. He doesn't have that in Detroit yet. He doesn't have that leg to lean on like, yeah, well, you can take this money and go elsewhere and we'll win with the group we have here. He doesn't have that to stand on. And that's what I think ultimately happened in Columbus is Yarmo drove his hard bargain but he didn't have anything to show for it. He had a playoff series win. Like guys are like, okay, well it's not working here. You're not giving me my money. What incentive do I have to kick around? So, and I'm not saying that's going to happen. And I'm, I would bet on the contrary. 
And I, like I said, I'm still betting that these don't go to arbitration because they so rarely do. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying if they do, that'll probably be one of the first red flags that goes up for me. I think a difference between Yarmo and Stevie, and for one reason or another, Steve had the reputation in Tampa. I think he squeezed Stamkos before you could say that Tampa was definitely going to win. They had already been to cup finals at that point, though. Like had they, they already had one? Yeah. Oh, they were cup finals, what, like 2015? Oh, that's right. I hadn't yeah. forgot about that earlier. And they probably would have had multiple cups if it wasn't for just like some horrific, insignificant, bad injury luck. Like if you remember when they went into the cup final without Tyler Johnson had a broken wrist, Ben Bishop was playing on one leg and then they were missing Stamkos. I think it was the next year when they lost. I forget 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Tampa legitimately should have four or five cups and it's honestly probably bad luck more than anything that they don't. Um, So he had that. He's like, look at this team. We're going to win. Like he could say that with as much confidence as any GM could ever say, we're going to win here. And then obviously they did win too. Um, so he had that negotiating tactic. So when you lose that and to a lot of players, that is the biggest factor. Like, yeah, I'll take a cut if it gets me rings. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So I don't even know if I necessarily agree with the concern, but let's, I'm going to move along with your hypothetical. I think that Stevie based on what he's built in Tampa has, the pet like he had he'll get the same amount of buy-in or he'll have more or less the same amount of leg to stand on so to speak he can say to guys i've done it before i'm doing it here in detroit so that's why i gotta squeeze you i have a way of doing this if you stay you're gonna win eventually you'll win and i want you to be a part of it oh yeah and these these conversations are gonna be way more nuanced than we could ever fully flush out on here because you know the stevie's gonna be like I have full confidence in what we're building. You should stick around. We want you to be a core part of it. We can't overpay guys to do that. And then the player's going to come back. Okay, well, I think I'm worth more than that. Look at all. You have the cap space. You can't tell me you can't fit my demands under this. Yada, yada, yada. So there's there's going to be those types of details that we'll never have the time to really, really get into. But yeah, it's just, again, this is all hypothetical. And this is concern over something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Like I said, if Verona signs tomorrow and Ernie signs on Sunday, it's, it's a useless conversation. But with Ernie, I'm less concerned, but like because it happened with Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi last year, who's one of the best players on the team. If it happens with Verona this year, who's one of the best players on the team, that's Bertuni is what we'll call him when he scores two goals. <laughs> Bertuni, I love it. But uh, yeah, it's a little coin joke for our American friends. <laughs> so if you if you if you take all your role players to arbitration because you're like, hey, my argument is I can replace you. Yeah. Who cares if? But if, you know, two-thirds of your top lines go into arbitration and back-to-back years, yeah, that's, like I said, the first true red flag that would go up for me under this regime. I just can't believe how small your work desk is, Ryan. <laughs> it's terrible, dude. It's I, real I bad. was trying to think about what Brad was saying, but I just started looking at that thing. <laughs> I just, I totally lost any thought I had. I work on this half the time. I'm not going to lie. I, I was going to say, how could you not? believe that? I, I try not to because I don't want to wear this gorgeous podcast desk in that Daniel Rossi from RD Woodworking made us. Um, like a mat down or something. Yeah, on I do. Uh, I mean, look how I, I'm kind of neurotic with these coasters. Yeah, fair. How um, bad is your carpal tunnel? My, you actually, use that all day. I'm getting like tendonitis in my elbow. You should it's real bad. send that to your employer. Well, yeah, I'm doing my ergonomic assessment. <laughs> an old man. <laughs> wait, what? That's a, okay. Yeah. You're going to, I can't wait till they see your desk <laughs> and they give you an assessment on that. They're going to be like, well, you, your desk is four feet too short. 
Okay. It's in the corner. You can't fit a chair there. I need to send you a video when I get home or tomorrow of the desk they gave Crystal for her work from home. Like, you are going to cry. It's like probably six feet by four feet, adjustable, like powered. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, like it's literally got a motor. Yeah. <laughs> Her desk has a motor. One day when I when I clean up the office, office this studio has become my office. I'll give everyone a, a tour on YouTube. But in terms of being, pre- I'm sorry, not that I don't want to talk about how terrible I am at keeping taking care of myself. Um, but in terms of Rana, though, I don't know. Do you share the same concern? I agree. I, I'm not really concerned about Adam Ernie. That's because where I, it's Adam Ernie. I think the the difference here, we're not looking at a lot of money. I don't really care who wins that negotiation. I don't think it'll have a big effect in the end. But in terms of Verona, he's a Mantha. He's the same thing that Mantha was before his last. Con- he signed his last contract to me. So, do you share the same requisite concern? And if so, or actually, yeah, yeah or no? Yeah, I think if it goes, to, if it does, I don't even know if it will get to arbitration. Because it feels like it doesn't happen that often, but it seems to be happening in Detroit more so than anywhere else in the league. Uh, that's probably a hot take. That probably isn't even true. Um, Bertuzzi, the only decision in the last while. He, I, there weren't any high-profile ones last year other than Bertuzzi, and I think only one or two teams had multiple players mm-hmm. file this year, and a few have already been resolved. So I don't know how many are still outstanding, but. Yeah, so, you know, there's a volume and there's a skill level concern. You know, there's two guys, again, who are now filing for arbitration. And there's one guy who you would project to be part of the long, longer-term solution on the team. So, if they don't go to arbitration, no problems at all. If one Verona goes or both go, um, that's slightly concerning because... You know, the real big picture is when the prospects start to come up and become eligible for for arbitration. Um, those are the key pieces you're trying to build the core with and, and win with. And um, you don't want to start setting a, a precedence or a pattern of that occurring. You want to know my hot take? Mm, sure. I think agents are asking for way more out of Detroit right now because they have infinite cap space. And Could they be. think you can't they say you can't use the squeeze thing and Eisman goes well I don't end up with infinite cap space by handing out more money than I have to and to be fair the rest of the NHL went full silly season in free agency this year so that did Stevie no favors whatsoever yeah those contracts are gonna this well it's because they know there has like it's basically like teams locking themselves into a into buyouts or you know another lockout right like mm-hmm. that's really what it seems to be positioning like teams give these players these contracts because they know in six years they're just going to buy them out or there'll be a lockout and they'll be able to buy them out then yeah anyways um we're gonna know within seven days of you listening to this podcast what's gonna happen with the verona contract so i think the, the it's within 48 hours of the ruling that's when the arbitrator has to make their decision but yeah otherwise um we'll sit tight and we'll see i still think what we talked about last episode with using mantha as a comparable is probably a good range to project there yeah but if i'm Veron, i'm walking in and just slapping a photocopy of zach hyman's contract on the <laughs> table and going can you see Please. do you see <laughs> yeah i mean then ufa years come into play which was like i mean the big thing with like um 
you look at the Seth Jones contract or the uh, Dougie Hamilton contract, and then you look at Kale McCarr. Yeah, like McCarr should make more, but it's just RFA, UFA years. Yeah, and then there's what Darnell Nurse is projected to be getting. God damn. Yeah, yeah. I would hate to have to pay a defenseman right now. Smart Detroit don't have any defensemen worth paying. Except our t- our top defenseman is due for a contract this summer. Yeah, Hironik's <laughs> also coming off as one of his worst years. Yeah, right? that's like, going to be a fun negotiation. <laughs> uh, I, I do not envy Stevie's job this summer, honestly. Um, Chase Pearson signed to a two-way contract. Uh, more or less a depth signing. I don't think it's much of note, but I don't want that to be diminishing to Chase Pearson because I think he's done a good job coming up and there is i think a reality here where he seems sees some games in detroit i don't know if he'll necessarily be a favorite to make it out of camp but at the same time you never know what happens um detroit is very much a if you earn your spot out of camp you're gonna have that spot at the starting an opening night team um he could be vying for that bottom line role and there are going to be injuries and so he can come up hey uh really really strong defensive center uh with very limited offensive upside plashel's gonna love him i mean if you loved lou glendening you love chase pearson um remember that year christopher n made it out of camp for no apparent reason yeah that could be chase so he had pearson. a good camp he had a good camp in the exact same way that chase pearson would have a good camp in that you know good defensively no offense like they're the same player um obviously i'm being slightly hyperbolic there but you know you get the point that being said though detroit's still not hurting for good young defensive centers especially with the uh acquisition of mitchell stevens who i think is probably going to be that fourth line center who is a better defensive center and has more offensive upside but yeah i i mean chase pearson he's usable he's not useless and um he's cheap so win 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 yeah i actually was going to talk about uh, Mitchell Stevens. That's a player that the Red Wings um, acquired for a. Has he ever even brought that trade up on the podcast? I don't know <laughs> if we did. It. Yeah, I think that was one of those ones that got buried in like all the other news that happened. Yeah, so the Red Wings trade is uh, next year's sixth round pick. I wish it was the seventh because uh, then we can get out of the draft sooner. Yeah. But uh, no, the the Red Wings traded next year's sixth round pick uh, for Mitchell Stevens from Tampa Bay. I believe Eisman drafted Mitchell Stevens. Yep. Doing okay, Evan. Nope. <laughs> I just, you know, just let me do my thing. Yeah, well, uh, when we do, you usually lose yourself, so we need to... I just did. That just happened. We're slacking. Is this... Does Cat at all times just try to rein you in at home? Um... You guys would do well with a sheepdog. No. Well, see, I work from home and she goes to work, right? So mm. when she's gone, I'm like doing work and then I'll, on my lunch break, I was painting. And then when she comes home, I'm gassed, but she's like, has all the energy to do stuff then. And I'm just, that's when we, we battle for like the first hour about what to do. And we just go our own way. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow not uh, single yet. That was uh, Evan Lobsinger, everyone. Um, Mitchell Stevens, uh, yeah, Eisenman drafted him, and Mike Gallimore, who uh, is obviously, I think he has great read on hockey in general, but is very well embedded within Tampa Bay hockey, um, has said that he liked that. He liked he thought it was a good get for the Red Wings. Uh, Stevens has a high motor with some skill that he hasn't had a chance to flash much uh, in the big leagues. If nothing else, he's a solid piece so long as he can stay healthy for the bottom end of the lineup in the PK. So this is essentially centerman version of Adam Ernie. 
same not yeah. sa- same style of player necessarily yeah. but i'd say more pedigree coming in because he was like a key player on team canada's world junior team for a year i think he actually played multiple years uh which is pretty rare um valeno did that actually and uh yeah he's he has skill more than i would say would be projected from a guy like chase pearson um shoots right big plus uh because pearson's another lefty mm-hmm um, yeah, and Stevens is a guy who could probably step right in and play immediately on the penalty kill. I think that's well within his realm of possibility. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I love the I really, really like the trade, especially for a six round pick. And I don't think Stevens is that old. I want to say he's like twenty three. Yeah, I believe he's twenty three years old. So twenty four. Twenty four. So yeah, it's a great pickup, fine age. He'll fill a role. Um He's going to probably be the new Glenn Denning, honestly, but I think his offensive upside is already higher than Glenn Denning's was. So as long as he can produce the replacement level defensive results that Glenn Denning produced, it's fine. So where Mitchell Stevens slots in, I think, I think they traded for him with the intention of him. Yeah. Like you're cycling out Helm and Glenn Denning. The Red Wings fans have a lot of sentiment around those players because of, you know, what they did in Detroit. But at the end of the day, they played a very, easily replaceable role so you bring in the stevens type um ernie retains his spot on the team giovanni smith steps in like that gap is being filled so reading out the top or reading out the lineup here for forwards bertuzzi larkin verana or sorry uh bertuzzi larkin zadina fabry Suter, um verana verana no would you would you move i think you move burt down and i think no I, yeah we have the guelph line so you would go Verona, Larkin, Verona. Yeah, Fabry, uh, Suter, Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. Yep. And then I, I'm I'm using Max's uh, on, from the Athletic Detroit his depth chart here as a reference. Mesnikov, Rasmussen, Gagne maybe as a third line. Yeah, that sounds about right. Smith and Ernie for the wings on the fourth line, and then I would probably put Mitchell Stevens there. So where does Joe Valeno fit in? First line, Grand Rapids, playing a ton of minutes. I would rather. Like, don't get me wrong. I would construct the team slightly differently, but I'm a nobody. Um, so given what is likely going to happen, I think that's the most likely scenario. I think Franz Nielsen's going to eat up one of the spots in Cleary's cabana and, yeah. And then, you know, probably another depth forward. I, I would imagine that Pearson and Valeno play big roles in Grand Rapids and they're the first guys on speed dial if someone gets injured. And someone will get injured. No, it's going to happen. The Red Wings are always one of the most injured teams in the league. So I, I fully expect something to happen there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's if it's different because, you know, it is Blashill after all. Yeah. But it's going to be something along those lines. Then again, there's always, you know, there could still be trades. I guess it depends on who gets hurt, right? Like Larkin and Sudar, yeah. you're going to be your top two centers yeah. so long as they're healthy. Rasmussen, Stevens, Vleno, you have other options who actually play center. And that's a noted advantage for Detroit because these guys actually play center. Yeah. Yeah. No, now they have too many. It's yeah. Even, what a wonderful problem. It's no longer None guys. of them are good. But like, <laughs> you know, at least they have them. The organist <laughs> is no longer trying to play center in yeah. between like... He has to run down. He, like he, he just gets, uh, he misses a shift. They cycle him through. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess it, it, this all really hinges on Nielsen sitting in Cleary's cabana. Yeah, and you know whether or not I the the Red Wings organization seems very set on Rasmussen as a center. I'm not there yet, but I get it. I'm fine as for him, honestly, as third. Probably fourth line center. I think you get more value out of Rasmussen on the wing. Like this is just me not talking about. Oh, on the wing. 
Yeah, I, I think like Rasmussen's a better third line winger than he is a third line center just because of his his tools and skill set. He's not a puck distributor. Like that's the worst part of his game. And that's one of the key things to be a good center in the NHL. But the things he's good at are things that are beneficial to have in a winger. He can do the Bertuzzi role, clean up the front of the net, get the rebounds, tip the pucks. We know that's a strength of his. He's excellent off the cycle. He can win board battles, get the pucks. And, you know, again, that's another Bertuzzi role. Um, you know, we could have this argument for hours. But, yeah, no, I I think the way Valeno plays the game is suited to center. The way Rasmussen plays the game is suited to wing. But, again, I know that's not a view the Red Wings organization shares with me. I'm I'm all for having Rasmussen learn to play center in the depth role legitimately imagine a competitive red wings team with rasmussen as a fourth line center working with the energy guys who can retrieve the puck so he doesn't necessarily have to lean so hard on being a puck distributor and then he slots into the power play as needed yeah i see i see what you're saying and that's probably in rasmussen's best interest i'm thinking of maximizing asset value to the organization because on the wing i could see a reality where Rasmussen's a useful second line, third line guy where he can actually contribute and he's not just treading water, so to speak, where he, there's a reality that he thrives. Yeah. Because you get, and again, I will use Joe Valeno as a guy. If they come up together, the way Valeno plays the game offsets Rasmussen perfectly that they could play well off each other because Valeno's weaknesses are Rasmussen's strengths. Yeah. So, you know, it's if you put those two together on the third line with, you know, Nemesnikov, hypothetically, that could be an effective line in the NHL. Uh, maybe not this year because uh, Rasmussen and Leno are still pretty young and have a lot of growing to do. But, you know, hypothetically. You know something I was thinking about? If Valeno plays up and he plays on the fourth line, I'm no longer upset about those guys playing on the fourth line because it's not – you know, Darren Helm. Yeah. It's like, it's Giovanni Smith and Adam Ernie is a perfectly respectable, like you're not getting the highest skill wingers, but you're getting guys who can play like that. I'm pretty, you know, yeah. it's not just anchors and warm bodies. Yeah. It's not just let's weather the storm in our own zone until the next line comes out. It's like, Hey, they can push the play down ice if they can. It's not Philip Zadino with an actual rope tethered to Franz Nielsen's limp body anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I felt bad for Zadina because he came in, and was playing with Nielsen the first year where Nielsen fell off a cliff. Yeah. I remember watching that and going, oh, my God, it hurts. It, it's like the uh, – do you guys ever have, uh, when you were doing tryouts, the parachutes behind you as you were skating? Oh, God. Like sprinting down I've the I've had them, but not during tryouts. We haven't had the parachutes. What I've had multiple times is stick. a teammate where they're, they've got your stick in one hand they're sticking the other and you're kind of holding on to them like ski poles and dragging them up the ice as they're actively fighting against you and like that breaking. was yeah, yeah, yeah that was the worst yeah that's yeah, what that was, it was like for zadina to pull nielsen along on the that line. was philip zadina's entire rookie season it was it was it it wasn't nielsen and helm was it i think it was for a chunk there yeah oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. cruel and unusual <laughs> and he was a half a point per game i was gonna season. say like <laughs> i'm all for like play with veterans to learn the parts of the game that people don't necessarily appreciate but for a guy who needs to produce to be good that was a little bit <laughs> that was something <laughs> okay well uh the the name of the game here is that the red wing bottom of the red wings lineup is going to be a largely dictated by camp and by injuries which isn't necessarily a hot take uh we'll see what's to come on verona and ernie especially verona so stay tuned i'm sure that'll happen the minute we post an episode 
at which point we'll have to actually cut the brakes on Evan's car so he won't drive away. There's no chance. I'll There's just sprint. Zero. He'll run home. <laughs> I'll run home. I'll you will not. Conjure run. the energy. I'll just get a, I'll just get all around your vision and call an Uber. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's, <laughs> he's going to be hiding in your neighbor's bushes on, yeah, on the well, Uber app. I mean, you've seen my neighborhood. Do you really want to take that? You look rich, Evan. They'll take. They'll have you here. I'll be hiding the hat and taking the sweater off, so I'm just a guy in a t-shirt and shorts. <laughs> hey, that guy's wearing a sweater with the Masters logo on it. Get him! <laughs> yeah. Nobody around here knows what the Masters are. That's absolutely. You're absolutely right. They all play at Rockway. <laughs> um, Jack Eichel. I have so much respect and confusion for everyone in this scenario. This is a quick rundown, and I know everyone's heard the story. It's been a long battle. Between Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres. Jack Eichel, who wants out of Buffalo, the Sabres who seem ready to trade him. Jack Eichel, who needs some kind of surgery, the Sabres, after getting Eichel to agree to wait for 12 weeks to rest and recover, seem to agree. Uh, Jack Eichel says he wants disc replacement, uh, which hasn't been done in an NHL player before. The Buffalo Sabres, who by the CBA have final say in terms of what happens to their asset say, no, we want disc fusion uh, or spinal fusion. Yeah. Um, I, too, listened to that 31 Thoughts podcast. I was That doctor was really – I, I that, really appreciated that, his – I went into that podcast before going, I can't believe nobody's paid Buffalo's asking price for a legit superstar to listening to that going, oh, yeah, no, I get it. Okay, first of all, I yeah. I, I know of the surgeries, and he, he was biased. You have oh, to understand of course he was. Of course he was biased because he was the one that was wanting to perform it. I do think one thing that people are selling short here, very quick summary of the two surgeries. You're one of them, you're replacing a disc. One of them, uh, you're removing the herniated disc and sorry, you're removing the herniated disc in both. One of them, you're replacing it with an artificial one. And the other one, you're, you're fusing the two discs above and below together. The problem is Jack Eichel's 24. It's going to happen again, and it's probably going to happen again after that. And the fusions are going to keep happening. So yeah, that's going to be bad and painful for his career and that's one thing but it's going to be bad for his quality of life yeah and so yeah you're paying the guy 10 point whatever a year if it's 10 flat i can't remember and yes he's whatever you do with him is going to dictate how your rebuild goes but the guy also wants a good quality of life when he's 50 he doesn't want to constantly be immobile and in pain with his back and his neck and everything else so i don't i'm torn as to what to think i don't think he's necessarily in the right completely but I'm just really torn on this one. And it wasn't made better by the fact that his agents went out and, and put out a statement, which just tanked. sent everything nuclear. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you see he made a Twitter account today? Eichel did? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> hasn't tweeted anything, but he, he has, hasn't followed us yet. Uh, no, surprisingly. I wonder I should DM him. He maybe hasn't found the handle. That's fair. Um, but yeah, the doc, the doc did a good, good enough job of, of selling me on the, yeah, it does. I believe him that the disc replacement's better at least for no other reason than quality of life. Um, but now I fully understand why other teams are hesitating here because they're like, we don't know what we're getting after this. Now, the angle the Sabres have been taking a lot, which is a bit disingenuous, is no, this is no other hockey players have this surgery. We don't know what we're getting. And then the doc's like, well, yeah, but tons of other professional athletes have got this done. It just hasn't happened to be a hockey player. He's like, I've done it on rugby players and they've, it's turned out well. Um, 
And he did a pretty good job of outlining, hey, they both have risks. I'm not coming in here and telling you this is a 100% success rate. And if I'm a team who's about to pay four premium assets for Jack Eichel, if I hear anything other than 100%, I'm, oh yeah, I'm wavering. Um, but the, the most absurd part about this to me doesn't even come down to the Sabres or the, or Eichel. It comes down to the NHL. How is this not Eichel's decision? It's his body. Like quality of life should factor into these decisions. Like I get. I absolutely get mitigating risk from the team standpoint and having to approach players as assets. As cold as that is, I get it. Jack Eichel hopefully lives to be 80, 90, 100 years old. He's going to be a hockey player for probably 15 more years max. So we are this complicated of a medical procedure should not have a bearing on just those 15 years. I understand. I think... This is something that probably should have been worked out in the CBA by the Players Association if it was going to be an issue. I think it probably will be in the next one because this is the first time it's been prominent. I think on a broad level, I I, I think you've hit the nail on the head here because on a broad level, you do have to kind of take that cold objective take. Like these are assets and you can't have Eichel going to see some like nut job uncertified yahoo who's going to inject him with like i don't know mushed up strawberries and said you're going to you can now fly like you want to you want to get away from the crazy shit that's going to destroy a player's career and all of a sudden you're on the hook for and you have no legal recourse for for the millions of dollars you owe them or you know they've just tanked your organization or your stanley cup run or whatever but this is an edge case in which the Sabres aren't wrong to have hesitation because it hasn't been done in an active NHL player before. As much as it's nuanced, that is context that they can stand on. I, I think that's fair argument. But we've also established that this isn't some unknown surgery. It's been happening for decades. It's been really successful. And there is a legitimate argument to be made for Eichel to say, hey, this is going to help me not only in the game, but in the future. And I think this is the edge case where at the end of the day, I swing Eichel's way, but I don't blame Buffalo for the hesitation. I think Buffalo maybe even would be okay with the surgery, but the moment they let him have that surgery, you know what happens? Trade value goes down because teams are going to say, well, we don't know how he's going to recover. Yeah. So they're going to say that about any. Yeah, they're going to say it either way. Well, no, but the the spinal fusion has a high success rate. So they know he'll recover and they know he'll be good for the next six to eight years, which is all they care about because that's prime. If that doc is to be believed, the odds were not that different. I think they were actually in favor of the disc replacement. But the one thing he said that definitely swung me to Eichel's side, and it was was a little thing that he kind of had as a throne, but I'm like, well, yeah, like that makes sense. He's like, if we do the disc replacement and it doesn't work, the way to correct that is a fusion. Yeah. So they're like, try it. We might end up at the same result either way, but if we don't end up there, it is definitely better for him. His worst case scenario is we end up doing the fusion anyway. What what they're trying to do right now is maximize value in every way by absorbing no risk. They want the surgery to happen when he's not a Buffalo Sabre. Yeah. And they want the price as if this was a fully healthy, no drama or baggage attack attached Jack Eichel. And look, if I was a GM, I would do the same thing because if you're ever trading a Jack Eichel, you have to get 130% value for him. And yeah. the Buffalo Sabres through... I don't want to say no fault of their own, but through a circumstance that they certainly would change if they could are now having to sell Jack Eichel for, you know, 70 to 80% of value, which that is, that is terrible for a hockey team. And now we get into the strategy part of it because are we at the point now where trade value starts going down? Cause I think we've established 
this decision is out of Buffalo's hands. They don't, quite honestly, they don't care about what surgery has anymore because it's not going to be their problem. Mm-hmm. It's going to be up to the team that trades him. And most teams are probably only going to trade for him if they're going to let him do the disc replacement, right? Or else they end up in the same problem and he won't play for them either. So I don't even think Buffalo cares about that. It's just about value now. Now we know what they're asking. And for 100% of Jack Eichel, it's a perfectly reasonable ask. I would do the same thing, maybe ask for more. The problem is the recovery time for either surgery. If it doesn't happen very, very soon, he's missing a good chunk of this season. So for a team that's trading for Jack Eichel, presumably fancies themselves a contender. Or else why are you trading for Jack Eichel, right? There could be teams like maybe New Jersey, hypothetically, on the up and up. And they're like, okay, maybe this is the piece that puts us over the hump. But the more time Jack Eichel misses, that just further tanks his value. They're like, well, if we're only getting half a season at Jack Eichel and we lose a half a season, we're not throwing you that fourth piece. Like, we need him this year. Like, if it's hypothetically Colorado, we're winning the cup this goddamn year. We need him for 82 games. Or it's New Jersey goes, hey, we think we could be good this year. We would like to make the playoffs, but to make the playoffs, we need Jack Eichel for 82 games. Yeah. Hear right? me out. He doesn't play until the playoffs start <laughs> okay. to circumvent the cap. You joke. So what? so I made this joke when I was on uh, the Hockey 401 podcast. I'm like, for I me. Mean, no more plugging podcasts till I get invited. I'm the only <laughs> one who hasn't been invited to another Listen, podcast. <laughs> I would hate it, but I would love it for the maximum chaos. If Tampa Bay does this, Can you? <laughs> <laughs> if Tampa Bay does this, we'd have to have Brad record from the basement because he'd be screaming the entire time. Well, but no, bu- this is this is have gone so far past the line of what I would hate. It would circle back to I love it. <laughs> well, if, if it's Buffalo and the dumpster fire there, they you know they could maybe get a Yanni Gord out of that. Well, that'd be hard because he plays for Seattle. That's now. my point. Uh, uh, got him. Uh, you juked me. I didn't think I didn't think you were paying enough attention. That's when that's before I everything blurred into one. That's about yeah, the last right. thing I remember. But yeah, so getting back to my ultimate point is are we at the is Kevin Adams at the point right now where the longer he waits, he's now back to diminishing value? Like is this Yeah, as, I think he's already there. Is this as good as it's gonna get? Whatever offer he has on the table is as good of an offer as he's gonna get from whatever team, whatever it is. Or okay. First, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you be Adams. You have two choices. One, trade him now for let's let's say less than you'd be able to get for him at full health. Yeah. Or two, uh, you let him have the disc replacement, and then trade him after he heals, or no. take the risk. No, I'm I'm trading him now. I you're not even risking the surgery. No, because if the surgery goes poorly, like because he's not gonna play for the Sabers, so how do we know that it's gonna go well? He we don't know if that disc replacement is successful until he starts taking impact in an NHL game. Let's say like his Eichel's skating right now. He probably looks like Jack Eichel. He's just in a lot of pain. There's videos of him training on the ice in Boston as we speak. So deep fake. It's actually Evan. Yeah, true. No, it's definitely not Evan. I saw him hit the net in one of the shots. If I, but I'm if I'm Adams and I'm let's say we go with option two here because I would give that serious consideration. I'd say okay, we'll do the replacement, but you're gonna have to play some games for Buffalo because you're gonna have to show other teams that you can play. Actually, I don't. Yeah, I'm not, yeah I'm here's not the thing, though. He's, the he, yeah, right. he's playing for Buffalo. Like, what? Who's left in Buffalo? You're not helping his trade value if he plays any games for the Sabers. So, so the the reported ask when they were negotiating with Vegas was Riley Smith, Nick Hag, Peyton Krebs in a first, which Vegas should do yesterday, right? 
that's what I would have thought before I got all the nuance about what's actually going on with this injury. So let's say hypothetically Vegas's offer is we will give you Riley Smith, Nick Hag, and a first, but we're not giving you Krebs. If you're no. Buffalo, do you take that? No, you tell them to kick rocks because the first one's a per the first one's already underselling Jack Eichel. But let's say hypothetically this is a similar offer from every team. This is just the happenstance players that fit the bill for top prospect first round pick. Yada, yada, I'm not yada. moving Jack Eichel for that. He's uh, for better or for worse. You control the contract. I would sooner. Ah, I no. I so, find it okay. So way. then here's my question because I I'd be on the fence about it too because I don't love that return. What's your alternative? I don't. You risk the surgery. But he's not playing for the Sabers. You think I don't think value changes. Is this I, in the NFL players can't so hold out the same. Here's the gamble you're taking. And this is, I, I think, the only scenario, and it is possible, the only scenario where trade value goes up for Eichel. He gets the disc replacement surgery now while he's with Buffalo. He goes through his recovery. I'm going to pick a team out of my ass. It doesn't matter. The Rangers. Panarin gets hurt in camp. Holy shit, we're panicking now. Now they they pony up the extra. I got Ryan set. Reeves to fill in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't see a problem. That, I think that's the only way trade value goes up for Eichel because everybody knows he's not playing till he gets the disc replacement. So the the context of the surgery doesn't even matter anymore because Buffalo said we're not letting you do it and we're going to make it another team's problem. And almost every team trading for him understands that he's getting that surgery and they have to be comfortable with it. So from a trade value standpoint, it's irrelevant now. Um, we can go into this trade assuming he's getting the disc replacement and we won't know how successful that is until he plays actual hockey. And if he plays hockey for the Buffalo Sabres, that is not putting his value up. At least if I'm Kevin Adams, I'm assuming that's not putting his value up because who's his winger this year? Zemgis Gergensen's? I don't even know. So yeah, you, you pray, you have, let him have the surgery and pray someone key gets hurt on a good team because that's the only only way you're getting a better offer now well let's see how that one unfolds um you said gambling and i thought evander kane that's a weird situation <laughs> um yeah boy we're a long way away from the money phone <sighs> yeah we Oof. really are yeah that didn't work out well no no and you know what you're innocent till proven guilty I just have to say this whole Evander Kane situation. I mean, if your mess. wife's throwing you under the bus like that, you're probably guilty, right? Well, no, I eh. soon to be ex-wife. They're estranged and there's a lot of tension there. And like without commenting too much on the familial stuff, someone who has personal reasons to be mad at you, they those people don't always act rationally. I'm not going to say there's a half truth there, at least. I'm not going to say what I believe personally. Which is does, does the guy who had to declare bankruptcy because of gambling debts have a gambling problem i think we can make that logical leap but making the leap from a gambling problem to shaving points off games that's a whole nother he's like one of the best players on the sharks and he and he just had a career year statistically maybe he was betting on himself to win maybe he just really believed in himself and that's (laughs) yeah i have no problem with that that's could he have been betting on sharks games or his own sure 
I'm not ruling that out, but shaving, I think, is a real stretch here because he had a career year. Well, I don't know if it was <laughs> I don't know if anyone's been saying shaving. I don't I think it's I think this is an awkward topic because you can't drill down because it's all very hot and very sensitive. Yeah, it is. And I understand what the rules are. And he if he pulled a Pete Rose here, I get it. But I'm also of the mindset that if I set the rules, I would have had no problem with what Pete Rose did. Because if you're betting on your team to win, you're just giving yourself extra motivation to win. And I'm fine with that. Well, here's the thing. The NHL, but, the yeah, NHL put, it in its, put out a statement within 2.6 seconds of uh, a Kane's soon-to-be ex-wife's uh, story going up. And there is a lot of justified backlash about the NHL's very strong, fast statement about this and not about other things like the Chicago Blackhawks uh, alleged sexual assault cover up. And that's fair. And I don't want to diminish that. I want to say, though, that statement wasn't for the fans. That statement was for the bookies and the gambling companies who are paying the NHL a lot of like the NHL. That's a lot of revenue for the NHL. That was for them to say hey, we take this seriously. Under no circumstance are we going to tolerate this because we need your money. If they think there's even a whiff of strong evidence against Evander Kane, they're going to throw the book at him because they cannot allow a soft judgment on this with with the gambling no. coming into the league. Like yeah. He will get the full brunt of the law or the NHL law thrown at him. And he's done, really. I mean, sounds like a pretty crummy person you know from several things and nhl won't let this stand if if they find any any evidence uh, that he's betting on games win or lose the nba still hasn't recovered from the tim donahy yeah the tim donahy refing scandal like i mean that is the worst case scenario if you were running a league but like the nba still gets comments every single playoffs about fixed 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 that's a bad call they're fixing the games they're, they're balancing the games like well they're and that was a decade and a half ago. And there was a lot of traction on um, the one stat that was going around these playoffs with um, Chris Paul's record with the one ref. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like it was staggering. He was like 0 and 16 or I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like that can't be a coincidence levels of what is going on here. Um, and then you factor in a Vander Kane situation happening now, gambling just becoming a thing in hockey. And then on top of that, you had the Tim Peel incident this year. And yeah, Every major betting company that deals with the NHL right now is probably just kicking down their door going, what the hell, guys? So, yeah, for Evander Kane personally, this could not have come out at a worse possible time. Who is it that has a terrible record with Chris Lee? Who now that Tim Peel is Montreal? Montreal or was it Philly? Or maybe both? I don't know, but I know it was Chris Lee. And I I remember the stat that you're seeing the stat that you're talking about. And it was, again, the same thing. Pretty staggering. Or was it the Islanders? Somebody in the playoffs this year, right? Yeah, because it was a playoff storyline. It was right around the time, actually. Um, I think the um, Chris Paul one came out. So it probably was a team that went pretty deep in the playoffs. So maybe Islanders or Canadians. Well, I mean, everyone loses when Chris Lee referees your game. You know who really loses when he refs the fans? Yeah. Part of everyone, Brad, it was the Habs. You were right. It was the house. You were, you were right, Evan. Yeah, don't look over there. I looked at Brad. Sometimes people yeah, I had the timeline right. Sometimes people get our <laughs> names wrong. Yeah, you got the you got the like finer details. I just like kind of took a swing and got it right at the, the, the one thirty two. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, that's one that's going to be. We every year we get um, the NHL is not as fun as the NBA on or off the ice slash court, and I think the NHL hasn't beat on both fronts right now. 
Yeah, this offseason has been wild. We literally have not even talked about Marc-Andre being Marc-Andre Fleury being traded and finding out via his agent who found out on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who might have retired but chose to be chose to be a uh, buzzkill and actually play for Chicago. I thought that would have been funny if he retired. I think he didn't he confirm he's going to play. Yeah, yeah, he's playing. So that that's going to be weird to see Marc Andre Fleury in a Chicago jersey. It's going to be bizarre. I mean, hey, Chicago just got at least one year of a Vesna caliber goalie for nothing, pretty much. So good for them on that gamble. But for there was a minute there where they actually would have traded for cap recapture penalty, <laughs> 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 which honestly Chicago deserves through and through. Um, but yeah, we can't have all the fun things. Uh, some minor storylines. Tomas Tatar found a team, New Jersey Devils, two years, four and a half mil. Finally. Like, yeah. Wow. That one. For all the other contracts are going around, everybody was just kind of like pointing at Tatar going, um, what? Well, I think he was doing, he was holding. Because when I saw that money, I'm like, oh, that's not a little bit of money. He was making yeah. sure he was getting his. Yeah. He w- probably wanted more term, but he probably didn't skimp on the money. He didn't want to do what Duclair did, which is go and have to play for like, what was it? Like uh, prove it contract. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think was shitty because I think Duclair had proved it by then. Yeah. So um yeah. also negotiates his own contract so take that for whatever it's probably worth. a terrible idea yeah i wouldn't do that no absolutely no. not unless i was the pinnacle of my sport i wouldn't even bother man i rue the day we decided to produce our own podcast honestly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah that was i thought that was really cool to see and hey, new jersey man i like their off season a lot i think they have the tools to do something very much New York from last year who New York had an extraordinarily extraordinary amount of bad luck, but New York from last year did a lot of things where I'm like, Hey, if all things go right, you could compete. I think New Jersey could do the same thing in the Metro. Yeah. And they're kind of, I, I, my gut still tell me they did this a year early, but they, they identified that there's an elite talent available on the market in Dougie Hamilton and it's hard to get elite talent. So you almost never say no. So they got him. Um, at a more reasonable contract than I thought he would have got. Mm-hmm. They got, I, I, th- I don't love their future of goaltending, but Blackwood and Bernier is more than a good enough tandem. They've got their future star in Jack Hughes and a really good prospect pool around him with a lot of really good players on the roster who are of the right age to start turning the roster around. So, you know, that's kind of what I hope Detroit does. It's, you know, rebuild, 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 rebuild. All in. Yeah. Like, and obviously Detroit's not there yet, but it's, it's been fascinating watching New Jersey because I think they've done a really good job of it. I don't think they're going to be particularly good this year, but yeah, I, I don't think they're very, very far off at all. Like, and if, if Jack Hughes takes a step this year, they could be there this year. And Zuban comes off the books next year, which is a huge contract off. So more money to play with. Alexander yeah. Holtz probably comes up and is ready at that point. And, you know, um, Luke Hughes is getting close. Yeah. Be closer. Ty Smith will take another step this yeah. year. Like, yeah, they're in a good spot. And they've got Nico Hishier, who seems to look somewhat look better every year yeah he just has to stay healthy he's great he's an underrated player but he just yeah he's just got to stay healthy you almost forget he's their captain now yeah he's he's been (laughs) such a classic swiss thing like just so like quiet goes about their business because is it kind of trippy that there's two swiss captains in the nhl right now there is a little bit you can pay me to guess who the other one is like it's a legit recent major trophy winner you don't have to go that far down I have no idea. I'll give you a hint. It's the Norris. Oh, is it is Roman Yossi Swiss? Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
That makes a lot. No, Did you think really? Swedish? I didn't think Swiss. I don't know what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Italian. It's right there in his name. Oh. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Say bye to Abby on the way out, but get out. And hey, they have almost 15 million cap space right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, uh, when, when you decide you're coming out of the rebuild, I'm a fan of being aggressive generally, as yeah. long as you do it well. And New Jersey has. Yeah. Um, John Tortorella, his next job is with ESPN. <laughs> I love how he dislikes the media immensely and now is in media. Yeah, that's like going to a restaurant and being rude to every waiter that you've ever had at that restaurant and then deciding to like work there. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. I th- I think it'll be fun. I think John Tortorella is the kind of guy who doesn't talk to media because it's not he doesn't feel like it's jo- his job to as head coach. But very obviously, like imagine going to the cottage with John Tortorella, a few beers, that'd be a fun guy. Oh. I think he'll I think he'll be good. Dude, he's like a big dog rescue guy. Like John Tortorella just seems like a good person away from the arena. Now, here's the thing. He's already done a media stint with TSN, and it was boring as hell. Like, he did nothing of note there, and I think it's going to be more of the same here. I, I'm going to appreciate his insight. Not if Chuck has anything to say about it. it ESPN's really got to just kind of be like, we are trying to get inroads in hockey. You can, you've got a long leash. Yeah. And he, just let him do his thing, and I think it will cr- be good on its own. Don't try to... Don't try to cage him. Just let him kind of flourish. I think ESPN is going to push him to do that. I don't think absolutely. Tort, I don't think Torts will. Torts is still angling for another job, and he is not going to want to piss off future potential employers. Pierre Maguire pissed off everyone in North America, and is now the heir apparent to the Ottawa yeah, no, Senators. No, he pissed off. <laughs> he pissed off rational hockey fans. Nobody in hockey management is rational. Yeah, he but they is lo- their guy. He is old hockey man that NHL front offices love. Yeah, if he was like a young guy, big into the analytics, who spoke his mind, that'd be one thing. But he's like quintessential, like yeah. old hockey guy. But He'll I be back in there, no problem. <laughs> regardless Kyle of Dubis what he says. and what Pierre Maguire did, is he is he in is oh. he employed by the Leafs right now? We Absolutely might, we not. might find out sooner rather than later. But um, no. <laughs> Tortorella, I don't think he's going to go off on anybody because he's he doesn't want to be a media analyst. He wants to be an NHL coach. And if he says the wrong thing about the wrong team in an inflammatory way, and then that's the next coach opening that comes available, he ain't getting that job, and he knows that. I feel so. like he's firm but fair. Oh, he's, he's a good hockey mind. I legitimately am interested in what John Tortorella has to say about the game of hockey. I just don't think we're going to get the, you know, feuds with Brooksy john tortorella on tv Can i imagine torts and brooksy i like if they i was just call them in <laughs> yeah i want nothing more than to see that side of john tortorella but i'm not optimistic about it you gotta file this under uh topics that i didn't think brad would have this much of an opinion on really yeah i i i totally <laughs> thought he would i i do you john think that Tor- he- who doesn't have strong opinions about john tortorella did you think that he just has strong he has a a lot of opinions on everything or this is something that he definitely would have an opinion on uh brad just has a, p- a strong opinions on everything yeah that's a good point yeah all right well uh time for those opinions to end because we're going to jump into overtime uh and we're going to do uh, our patreon support we're not going to do our patreon <laughs> you do you buddy i'm married uh we're going to take questions from our patreon supporters who uh i apologize for that statement um who are the reason we are able to do this show and i am able to make embarrassing comments like that uh winged wheel podcast nope patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast if you choose to support wow i am struggling to the end of this episode welcome to my world aaron hudson says what kind of offer should the red wings make to lionel messi hey eisenman will send him to arbitration too he he takes no prisoners (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, Detroit FC needs a needs a striker, right? Detroit City FC. He's yeah, a I don't know. Right? Yeah, he's a he's a true midfielder. They've played him as striker before, but um, why would you do that? Isn't he like just magical with I, the ball? Yeah, I don't know anything about soccer. Brad says we can't talk about other sports. Okay. We know we've, we filled our other sports quota with Evans Golf at the beginning. Oh, uh, that's true. Lower Spirit says, hey, everyone, I'm Brandon, and I'm a new supporter. Welcome, Brandon, and thank you so much for your support. Uh, I subscribed finally after your amazing coverage of the draft. When I'm a, while I'm a big hockey fan, I'm also a filmmaker who makes a TV show called Lower Spirits. My question is, if you had to pick an actor or actress, living or dead, to play for the Wings this season, who would you pick? Oh, this is going to be a terribly boring answer. I want Ben Affleck just for him to get exhausted <laughs> with the team. Hold on. I got a call back to our interview, but I'm forgetting who it was. Who was the guy that Igor said was a really good hockey player at his L.A. Celery oh, pickups? Oh, I can't remember. We it was the guy from Friday Night Lights, wasn't it? Was it really? What's it? I think it was. It was like one of those like... Listeners, go back and listen. Yeah, you know, you know which one that guy because apparently yeah. Igor says he's legitimately good. So we'll take that, or we'll have Keanu Reeves slap on his 1980s goal equipment and run with that. I would oh, yeah. also love that. Um, Keanu was a goalie. So was Steve Carell. Give me some John Cena. Oh no, no, he's invisible out there on the Hold ice. On. Exactly for, for pure entertainment value. Uh, oh no, he's not an actor. I was gonna say, but if we're doing non-hockey players on the Red Wings, I want to see JJ Watt truck guys because he played like high-level hockey growing up, and I would that would be entertaining. It's all hell. Al Robbins says tomorrow will be 69 days till the Red Wings season opener. Yes. Celebrate accordingly. Nice. Uh, I'm new here. Says any suggestions for good resources to ask intelligent questions besides the podcast? Of course, you guys are awesome. Proud to be a new patron. Uh, let them come naturally. I yeah. think the best questions are always the one, like the fun ones that you can tell came organically. Just uh, no food questions. We can't do that anymore. <laughs> no more food questions. I think they're fun because no, you're the one who carries the most stress over them. Yeah, I give my opinions and I'm perfectly fine. Ten seconds later, and you sit on them for years. That's true. <laughs> you haven't said anything incorrect. AJ Voss <laughs> says, "Who would be on your Red Wings Mount Rushmore? Uh, the four most important and influential Red Wings of all time." To make it interesting, we're also going to include builders. So along with our glut of legendary players, you have to consider former slash current owners, GMs, and coaches. Mine would be Gordy, Stevie, Illich, and Adams. Gordy, Stevie, Nick, Illich. I'm with you on Gordy, Stevie, Nick. I mean, they were the dead things before Mike took over. Like, he, he saved the Red Wings. Do you not consider like a ted Lindsay? do you not consider- i absolutely consider about 10 other people that's really tough it is and then plus mike ellis had the whole rosa parks thing like that's that's the tiebreaker <laughs> well i agree with the illich stevie gordy for sure i think the fourth one is where the debate sort of opens up my initial thought was ted Lindsay. mm-hmm I almost would argue Ted Lindsay deserves more on the NHL Mount Rushmore because of what he did for the NHLPA. Yeah. Like, he was, don't get me wrong. He's one of the greatest Red Wings of all time. You want to see me piss off Brad? How about Alex Delvecchio? Not even, I love him. Not even in the conversation. You're high. <laughs> that I, know that, been- I know you said that because that was the exact response you were looking for. And I gave you what you wanted, but it still needed to be said. 
Uh, Jake Bloom says, hey, guys, I was hoping Verano would be signed to a four to six year deal, but with only six days until his potential hearing, I'm starting to get nervous that won't end up happening. If he does end up going to arbitration and gets two years, who do you think is more likely to be traded in the next two years, Bertuzzi or Verano? I still they, think it's Bert. If they both go to arbitration, oof. Well, whichever Bert, one of them carries the higher. No, no, but Bert's signed. Yeah, whichever, but they're going to have both going to have two-year contracts and both would have went to arbitration at some point. So oh, yeah, it's yeah. all like equal footing at that point. Whoever has the better season, <laughs> that would be who's more likely to get traded because pump up those assets in the trade value. Something about Bertuzzi's name still that draws interest regardless if he plays seven games or all 82 it's, yeah it's, yeah that, his name will still pop up that's fair i don't think veronica carries the same name recognition around the league yet uh colorado 14ers says since winged wheel podcast night is on november 13th uh, against the habs doesn't that all but guarantee that bert will have the hockey club initials on his chest instead of the winged wheel for that game oh that would be uncomfortable to watch what? I don't understand. Like he'd be in a Habs uniform. Oh. I think if Burt gets moved, it'll be closer to the deadline. Would think. I I have no gut instinct on anything Stevie's going to do. For all we know, we're we're gearing up for a six-year extension next July with Bertuzzi. Yeah. <laughs> after, all, after all the trade talk. Uh, who else would you like to see in addition to Montreal's first next year uh, Stevie obtained to get the deal done? That's reasonable. Um, Suzuki's off the table. He's gotten too good, obviously. Oh, yeah, way too good. Caulfield's off the table. Um, I'm just trying to comb through their prospect system right now. They're not going to move Romanov. No. Caden Gooley? Yeah. Caden Gooley, I think, would be a decent option there. Evan, if you say Logan, maybe you have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I initially thought of. But I, <laughs> I know. I know you. Uh, Jacob Rivard says, who do you think is due for a better season than last year? And who do you think will regress this year? Hronik, obvious answer for better season. Like, he has to. Do you think it will happen, though? It depends who he's playing with. I think if he's the guy that draws Nick Letty, yes, absolutely. If he's still tied to a bone anchor, then... Maybe not. Um, and then regress. Ernie. I agree on Ernie. I think Ernie is not going to be. I don't think he'll be as quiet as he was when Detroit first acquired him. I just don't see the heater that he was on. No, he was what? Season. Outside of Verona, he led the team in goals. That definitely ain't happening. I think Zadina's play will translate to more count- counting stats. Yeah, I thought he was good all year. It just didn't really translate onto the the stat sheet. Yeah, I almost don't even think it's going to be progression for Zadina. I just think it's going to be, you know, uh, good luck starting a little more good luck going his way rather than entirely bad luck. Uh, Stevie Langerman says, hey, gents, first off, the energy and vibe of you guys being back in the studio last episode was awesome. So stoked you knuckleheads get to do the pod in person again. Knuckleheads is right. Uh, which team would you say won free agency this year and who lost? Love New, like I already talked about, my love of New Jersey did. And who lost? Are we talking short term or long term? Because I think Edmonton's legitimately better this year, but I think they are absolutely put themselves in a position that this is like a two year window and then they are screwed. New York had a weird offseason. Yeah, they had a, the Rangers had a horrible offseason. They are definitely a contender for losers. Seattle. You know what? I'm going to come out and say it. 
I, I don't know if I can be hesitant about it anymore. I don't like what Ron Francis has done. I think he's overplayed his hand. I think he's yeah. played bad hands. I think we didn't even mention he they signed an illegal contract with Grubauer that they had to redo because it didn't yeah. fit the CBA. Like, like what coming, a mess. Come out, coming out of the expansion draft, I didn't love what they did, but I could sit there and go, I understand it. This is a future play. He's maximizing cap space. He's going to weaponize his cap space. They're going to be towards the bottom of the league, accumulate draft picks. They're treating it like a rebuild, essentially. Not what I would have done fully, but I get it and I, I understand it. And then he went and signed a ton of bad contracts in free agency. Too much money, too long. And I'm like, well, that is the exact opposite of what you just did. If this was your play, sure, you made the wrong choices in the expansion draft, but like... His free agency versus expansion draft were opposite of each other, and it doesn't make sense. And I think now Seattle's a team going in this season that's going to be like the Minnesota Wild in the mushy middle. Yeah, like sort of makes you wonder if you know the the owners they went with the expansion draft. They thought you know the, all the planning seemed all well and good, and then there was the fan reaction. They're like, "What the hell are we doing? Go out there and like put us a team together." And then that was sort of the and that's a terrible way to start a franchise. Yeah, yeah, I. I, I think what Seattle did was worst case scenario. They made themselves mediocre so they don't get the long term or the short term benefit. Like, yeah, they, that division's terrible. I'm like, if I had to make my season predictions today, I probably have them in the final playoff spot there. But I mean, yeah, you, Minnesota made the playoffs every year basically for like 20 years and they have nothing to show for it. Like, that's, it seems like that was Seattle's play. I would say Winnipeg. We're one of the biggest winners. They re-signed Stasny to a nice deal. They yeah. literally got Dylan and DeMello. <laughs> Dylan DeMello on the back end. You love that, eh? I love I love that so much. And then a nice piece of Schmidt for the uh, next pair. And they got Nate Schmidt. So um, <laughs> I, I think they've done an excellent job to really shore up the back end. And their only true weakness, in my opinion... Was their defense last year like Halibut's a Vesna caliber goalie? Um, they can now score. They can score in waves, and now their defense looked really good. So, I think Winnipeg was one of the big winners of free agency. And you got to assume Dubois bounce back this year. Too. Absolutely, so, yeah, yeah. Stay healthy, but yeah. Uh, second, any chance? This is good because I actually had a thought about this. Any chance we could do some kind of wing wheel podcast golf outing? Yes. Hey, next spring slash summer, hopefully the borders are a little bit more open so people can make it from the other side as well in benefit of the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Oh, my God. Someone get tournament. Brad, you and I wouldn't have to do a thing. You know, Evan's all over that. Somebody please get me out to the Detroit Golf Club. I want to play there so bad. That's where they have the Rocket Mortgage. Like, it's a beautiful old track. I want to play it so bad. If you have, Evan, uh, I, you also have to factor in mine and Ryan's golf game. Oh, they won't let you. You can you can drop me off. You guys can <laughs> okay, yeah, to, the, to the Muni course. Okay, listen, I'm a competent golfer, as you now see. You would be fine. Okay, some of the old people I've, I've never played s- with at like ex- expensive clubs. They are only there because they made a lot of money. I would okay. not. I would not play there That's until reassuring. I've practiced for three years straight. I just I get nervous on those courses because they're long courses, and I'm like. I have faith in myself that I can hit it far enough, but I'm like, I'd leave myself less room to make up for the mistakes so this could get off the rails fast. Um, Carter Mazer Stan Club says, imagine Nathan McKinnon who can't get that wagon of a team out of the second round telling Stanley Cup champion Darren Helm what it takes to win. It's going to be the opposite. Darren Helm's going to walk <laughs> in with a bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch and a drumstick in his hand and show him who's boss. 
Um, Ruthless and Toothless says, I'm going to go out on a limb. The wings squeak into the playoffs. I don't normally dabble in the ridiculous, but something just tells me it's going to happen. I like what they've done. Um, Dom released his uh, most improved uh, teams in the offseason article, and the Red Wings were very high on that list. They were seventh, I believe. Um, not dramatically, but that, uh, 32 teams. Mind you, there was a lot of addition by subtraction there because I know not everybody wants to hear it, but Luke Lindenning and Darren Helm were negative value players. So losing them for nothing actually improved the Red Wings. But then obviously picking up Letty, Suter, Osterley, Nedeljkovic especially was a huge uh, bump. Yeah, the Red Wings are legitimately better. Um, I said this before and it, it bears repeating now and we'll probably repeat it a few more times. They're not in the central anymore. There is a very strong reality where the Red Wings improve as a hockey team this year, but decline in the standings because they got to avoid being in a division with Boston, Tampa, Florida, and Toronto last year. Yeah. They, yeah there's th- no way the Red Wings squeak into the playoffs. So this is now the Thunderdome no. and there's too many teams on the going the ru- going up. Yeah. I don't love the Metro as much as everybody else, so there's a reality where the Atlantic gets five playoff spots, but even then, like I really hate everything Montreal's done and I I will argue Tom blue in the face last year was an aberration. Um but they're still ahead of the Red Wings and the team that's more likely to take that fifth seed in the Atlantic. Uh Jake Kiefer says how many minutes does most Sider get next season over or under 18? Oh shit, that would be, that's my exact prediction. Just knowing, again, it sounds like it's meant to be a criticism and it kind of is, but it's, you know, past habits under. Blashill doesn't play rookies. Like that's just, he's, he never has. I'm going to say under and I don't even think it's a bad idea. Yeah. My initial reaction was an under as well. And I don't think that's bad either. Like I, don't know if we should send him out to the Wolves immediately. As long yeah. as he's not playing with Danny DeKaiser, I really don't care what he oh, does this year. Be hurt. Oh. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, I'd rather him play with Stahl or Osterley. Letty's probably not likely because Hronik Letty's probably the top pairing, but still. Uh, Tony H says, hey, guys, it's my birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Tony. Uh, today was my first birthday that I had to work, but I got surprised with a nice steak dinner, a paid for round of golf and a 12 pack of my favorite beer. When I got home, what was your biggest surprise you received for a birthday this year that people remembered it? (laughs) Wait, (laughs) remember when I forgot his birthday last year? Yeah. One second. I I remember talking. I messaged No, I messaged him in the morning. I remembered yours. Yeah. No, I literally I, sent you a text that morning. Only. I messaged you too. Did I? I did yeah. not forget his. We we messaged. No, yeah, him in chat. there's. Yeah, I messaged him in chat. If you didn't respond, you're just an what? asshole. No, sorry. I thought Brad's birthday was in my calendar for this month. It's not this month, is it? No, it was last. It was in July. Oh, that's <laughs> why I could just let. It was a, let, it was a few, just, you know, it was a few me, weeks ago. Let me wander. Just let me wander. <laughs> okay, uh, I think I got a surprise party once. That was the, literally the best surprise that I've had. I got a surprise party, so you can imagine how that went. <laughs> I got a surprise party, and Crystal knows how much I hate surprise parties. So you just hate fun. fun, eh? Like, what's you just live grumpy okay. all the time? This is going to be the dumbest statement I've ever made coming from someone who actively hosts a podcast and is going to be hosting an event at a Red Wings game. I hate being the center of attention in scenarios like oh, that. Oh, me too. It, I uh, hate I, it. I love doing our meetups and stuff. But man, am I gassed after. Yeah, it's a lot of social energy. The fact you two are going to be there with me literally makes a difference because it's not me. 
I'm going to do nothing for like two weeks afterwards. This is the problem. This is why it's a bad thing that you've cultivated yourself as the favorite on the show. I it's it's a double edged sword. I yeah. love it, and it's going. I'm gonna pay dearly for it. Yeah, like there's the literal most awkward situation in human history for me is when I'm sitting at a table and people are singing happy birthday to me. I would rather do anything else, anything else. Uh, Motor Boaten, son of a Bert, says, "Congrats on the LCA night. You've come so far and truly deserve it." Uh, how long until we can call you the official show of the Red Wings? I don't know about that, but um, we're happy to keep working with the team. It's been really great so far. Uh, and when do we get comp season tickets? Oh man, shooting for the sky here. I, I would love comp season tickets, but uh, let's start small and just run a great event. Uh, and uh, locker room privileges. We're working on it. Congrats again, boys. Bill Nye, the thigh guy says, hey, Dub Dub boys, for the Winged Wheel podcast night, how far in advance do you have to give you a hard yes or no? Uh, tickets are going to be going on sale by mid-August, around mid or maybe mid to late August. People who have filled out that survey will get an email and will also blast it everywhere on socials. Yeah, we don't know. Is there a cap or is it literally? We'll, we'll, we'll <coughs> talk about all of it once we. Uh, yeah, because I don't know exactly how that's going to work. But either uh, way, uh, the sooner the better. We'll just say that. Emily Iskuri says, with the Tigers improving, the Pistons drafting Cunningham, and the Lions continuing training camp, it feels like Detroit sports fans are buzzing again, coming out of a difficult few years for all the teams. How do you think this renewed energy and support will translate to the Red Wings? Um, I think Cade did a lot for the Red Wing or for for Detroit. I think Red Wings fans are going to have the same doldrums of a bummer season, but having Mo Sider potentially having Berggren at some point, potentially having Raymond at some point, having more of Valeno this year, that's going to go a long way. It's not going to be, it's going to be closer to Lions energy than it is going to be Pistons energy. So it's a catch 22. It's better for all Detroit sports to be good, but the Pistons getting Cade is going to, for people who split time between the Pistons and the Red Wings in their fandom, it's going to push them to the Pistons, especially in the short term. So it might actually be a detriment to the Red Wings. Um, I don't think, but winning, winning cures everything. So whichever team turns it around first is going to get most of the attention. And that's just the reality of it. I think Detroit sports has some of the best fans in that they know and genuinely are fans of multiple teams. Yeah. But if there's, well, you know, if the Pistons are on the road one night while the wings are playing at home, who's watching which game? Like people do have to make decisions on certain nights. Watch neither there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, for your mental health, maybe, but no kidding. But uh, at least we all know the Pistons and the Red Wings are going to get more attention than the Lions because the Lions are the Lions. I know football is number one, but it's going to swing because they're the Lions. I've held off on making that you might lose your team to Houston joke. You know, that's just a negotiating tactic. They're like, you're not taking them away from the most crazy, rabid fan base in the NFL. I used to be like, and the it's biggest- not Houston, it's Austin. And also the oh, Pagulas yeah. Houston are- has a team. <laughs> yeah. And the Pagulas are the biggest pieces of shit. Like, just honestly. I used to be, like, the biggest, like, oh, just build an arena. It'll be sweet and whatever. And then, like, when I learned about taxes and yeah. that sort of stuff, uh, if I'm a homeowner, homeowner and a taxpayer, well, I do not want anything to do with a new arena, especially one that starts with a B. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely not. The Pagulas can go right to hell. Banana is larger, says, with the way D-men are valued currently, what would the return be for Heronic and or Stetcher? not as much as you would hope i think ronick's return would be higher because of the potential that teams would see in him and age and term stetcher maybe a second round pick right now i mean he was literally available to seattle for free and they said nah does that really count though 
Yeah, after seeing what they did, I can't put any. Yeah. I can't put any. Every single mock draft before the expansion draft had Stetcher coming out of Detroit. The only team that didn't pick Stetcher out of Detroit was the Kraken. Sam W says, "What teams do you envision being Detroit's main contenders once they are a contending team again? Biggest rivals? Yeah, Toronto, <sighs> Florida, Toronto. I think, I think that their win Toronto's window is pretty big because they're pretty young." Carolina um, might be there. Different division, though. Oh, we're just talking in division. I, I think those are the most likely. I don't love. I don't think Boston's going to be very good for much longer. I don't think Montreal's ever going to be a contender the way they are currently constructed. Buffalo is way behind Detroit now. Um, I think I, Ottawa, Ottawa might be Ottawa, there. Yeah, yeah, their timeline is right around Detroit's. Actually, that's probably the right answer. Ottawa and Detroit are on a very similar trajectory. Arjun Shanker says, "When does Evans' contract expire?" Pretty sure you're overpaying him. Oh, he got the uh, he got the what's it called the Di Pietro deal. He got the he fifteen got the Bobby year. Bobby Benilla, 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 Benilla. Yeah, he's you like it. It would cost us more to buy him out at this point. Like the math <laughs> is all messed up. He was signed with the old podcast CBA. Brad and I made a mistake. We were young and foolish. Yep. That's where I capitalized. He owns stake in like the team now. It's a whole thing. So you just got to live with it. Uh, Michael Barry says, where do you see uh, this team finishing in the regular season? Um, Above Buffalo. And that's about as much as I can confidently say in that division. I think highest 25th, but not too far away from it. Where do I hope? I don't know. Wherever the lottery winning ball is. I really don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Jack Boyd says, no question. Just been listening since the beginning of the shitty pandemic. Listen to all the episodes, love the podcast and decided to subscribe. Keep up the great work. Jack, that genuinely means a lot. And thank you so much for your support. It's amazing how many episodes we've done in the last year and a half relative to how much Red Wings hockey has been played in that time. Cause that's legitimately about 18 months of the pandemic and the Red Wings actually played games for four and a half. Yeah. Do you know what episode That's crazy. number we're on? No. I'm really bad for milestones. I always have notes for milestones and I miss them all. Well, there's definitely some sicko out there who will go and count how many episodes. Oh, my God. We can, we, we've legitimately done over if a we've already done a, worth if, of episodes. If we've done no a thousand, hockey. that would be no, the funniest no. thing. The most on-brand thing of all time. No, we haven't done a thousand. I think we missed 500. I think you no. We're approaching 500. Actually, we're what? like 20 or 30 oh, episodes. Oh, it's away. only felt like 500. Yeah, yeah. it felt like 15. Uh, Cyrus March says, "I just want to say I'm pumped for the future or for what the future holds for this team. Having Eisenman steer the ship out of the darkness is the best thing we could have hoped for as Wings fans, uh, especially after what Kenny did before he left. Who in our pipeline are you most excited about? Not including the first rounders. I'm really hoping McIsaac and Bergeron make it and flourish." Oh, man. Uh, not including first-rounders. I think Bergeron's the answer there for me. Um, I would throw Johansson in there. He's a defenseman, so it's not as sexy of a, a pick, but in terms of potential. little Kirill Chuchiev? Just for the name. Yeah. I wanted to make it just to see Mick with that name. <laughs> uh, Andrew Forche says, hey, fellas, loving the content. I was watching Zadina highlights, and Kale ho- can't help but think he's due for a breakout year. Is it crazy to think he can be a 20-goal, 30-assist guy next year? Would love to hear your thoughts. I think it's very possible. It's possible. I would almost invert that. I was thinking invert, too. No, he, his playmaking really popped last year to me. And let's be honest, the way the Red Wings are constructed, we have more shooters than we have playmakers. So Zadina is probably going to be dishing more than receiving this year. Um, so I, I think 2030 is the more logical. 
I, I'm looking, reading ahead for a question from Cody Stark. It's not going to be. <laughs> uh, Flack Jack says, thanks for all the content, Dub Dub Boys. I try to keep a main jersey that I wear. Uh, that's an active player. It was Datsuk. Uh, then it was Mantha. Uh, wore his jersey to the game he scored four on Dallas, which was also my fiance's first Wings game. Uh, it's obviously time for a new Wings jersey. What active or soon to be active jersey should I get? Luke Witkowski. <laughs> <laughs> Go with Mo Sider, man. Yeah. Larkin and Sider and probably Zadina are your really only safe bets. Cody Stark says, all three of you, favorite appetizer? Wings? Because some people do them as an appetizer. Oh, man. Brad's got to go first. There's too many hit my brain. I can't think of one. I have a lot of options here as well. Are you? Is wings your answer? Wings is my answer. Okay. I'll, I'll, wings is the right answer. I'll pick a different one just for the sake of difference. I'll go a good spinach and artichoke dip. I will take Special. bruschetta, a real bruschetta. Okay. Very cool. That's like nice golf club bruschetta. Oh, better than that. Uh, favorite pizza, crust and toppings. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I can't. I, 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 Ryan doesn't deserve that heart attack today. <laughs> I honestly love simple. I like prosciutto, arugula, or prosciutto and some simple. Not <laughs> simple, and he said prosciutto, and my eyes shut to Brad. <laughs> Something simple. We that, live different realities, man. <laughs> I just like. I just like a nothing. It doesn't have to be crazy. Just traditional <laughs> prosciutto, arugula, some gold flake, some I just, roe. I, have you ever had gold flake before? No, is it good? It doesn't taste like anything. <laughs> I just I just know for a fact I can't afford the pizza you just laid out. Like, it tastes like Brad can't have this. Yeah, yeah that's what makes it so good. <laughs> if we sound like the worst friends Brad could have, you'd be right. Um, my my cheap answer here, I love a pepperoni pizza, but what I'm eating right now, I'm, I actually... <sighs> this is going to sound like I'm saying this purposely to piss Brad off, and I promise you I'm not. I do pepperoni. Um, I do Fine. onion. <laughs> onion, yeah, no. I, I don't. I begrud- like onion on my I, pizza. I don't begrudge people who like onion. I just, I it's my single most hated food, so I, I personally can't do it. Uh, I know I'm so far in the minority on that one. I can't argue it. Either black olive or a tomato, but it has to be the right kind. I took of some serious flack for putting black olive on a pizza, but I love it. No, olives are so delicious. underrated. Yeah, they are. I people prefer are green All olives, right. but it's fine. Go they're ahead, both, Brad. Both good. <laughs> like my one is like. My main topping is I like a good grilled chicken on pizza, which I've Ryan. Or, no, no. I've the, to the answer to this question is perfectly fine. Yeah. Like, and then just give me a couple veggies, green olives, green peppers, anything. I'm not super picky with that. And I'm happy. None of this white sauce bullshit on pizza, though, like proper pizza sauce. Um, Cody's is boom, boom, shrimp, thin crust, pepperoni, mushroom, red onion, and Guinness. Oh, he also asked beer. Uh, I like a lager. Light lager, actually. It would be nice with a beer. Yeah, I'm, a lo- I'm more a lager guy. I'm not a big IPA guy. Matt S. says, uh, keep up the good work, as always, Dub Dubs. And Evan Feets Guy Lobsinger says, I like feet. That is so weird. <laughs> it is by far the weirdest. When that Twitter account popped up in my mentions, I almost pissed myself. Yeah, I actually, I almost showed it. I almost threw my phone. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> All right. Well, I, like, I sent that in the screenshot of the group chat because yeah. I was the first one to find it, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Holy shit. Uh, we're going to be back with you bright and early on Sunday morning. So expect that episode that so then. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, Kyle Karagitz, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartel on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of Cry and Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, Taylor Tadgel, Brandon M, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Cyrus Marsh, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Al-Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacey Lynn, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, currently out of name ideas, Dave W., Evans Bingo Card, Halligan Beer, Jeremy Brocker, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Motor Boaton, Son of a Burt, uh, as good as it gets, Trevor Pevavar, Vaxed, Vaxed Fresh Cheese Bags, Zach Handyside, Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so very much. We'll see you Sunday morning. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.